Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of uh, Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. Today we are speaking about strong AI, artificial intelligence that actually does much more than what it's supposed to do or what we are used <laughs> to see AI doing stuff. And the new approach or well a new belief about what strong AI should be doing instead um, due to the fact that we are in front of um, a situation in which artificial intelligence is pretty narrow it's pretty specific and so uh, there are some folks out there thinking about how to make it more general not necessarily superior to human beings or to mammals brains but uh, definitely better than the AI we are used to uh, to use today uh, that is pretty narrow. And so one particular concept that uh, uh, really has uh, caught my attention by reading around um, is the fact that uh, human beings use, let's say, composable models instead of just one single model uh, wired in our brain. Uh, and so humans use, in fact, combinations of let's say models, probably models is not really the right term here, but they use combinations to learn from other humans, to from other situations, from other experiences, and then they apply the learnings from one scenario to another that has never been seen before. The idea of um, uh, composable models is essentially a way to tackle the problem of uh, combinatorial complexity uh, that is pretty much there in every environment. And we have seen this happening, for example, in language models. The fact that today we still don't master the, the field of natural language processing and we have these parrots, you know, these massive neural networks that simply parrot the environment or parrot what people have, have been saying or writing on the internet, you know, that's not intelligence, of course. We have seen this many times with the, the series of GPT models, though many people out there think these are going towards, if not, they are already general artificial intelligence. They are not, and uh, that's not just my personal view. You know, we have said this many times in this on this show, and we have given very good reasons why uh, GPT or the family of GPT models is, in fact, not uh, general intelligence. So one particular concept that I would like to focus this episode around is that, you know, the way people learn, the way children learn, um, there is definitely not a recognition problem, right? It's more kind of a process of generation rather than recognition. And that's an important um, difference. It's very important to distinguish these two methods of learning uh, or two learning processes uh, because, you know, there have been a lot of researchers out there telling this for years and, you know, the community seem to have kind of ignored these, these opinions or this new way of looking at, um, at intelligence and they've been focusing on, uh, you know, solving computer vision problems or speech recognition problems, object detection problems that, in fact, are pretty narrow. And from which is pretty hard to generalize and so to have an artificial intelligence that truly understands, first of all, and truly applies these learnings across sectors or across scenarios. The way children learn is relatively simple uh, in a way. 
you know, simple to explain, of course, because we didn't really get it. Otherwise, we would use that particular method, the biological way of learning stuff. And But the way children learn is essentially starting from an internal representation of the world that gets more and more, let's say, combined with other internal representations or with other representations of the world. And out of this combination, you know, due to this combination, and children are capable of tackling the problem of combinatorial complexity, which is the world in which we live. The way things combine in our physical world is pretty much infinite. It's an enormous amount of uh, possible combinations, how objects, how concepts, how entities relate to each other and compose the world that we know and we see and we feel. Also, the world that we learn. So the idea of such researchers is how would it be possible to learn from a world that has combinatorial complexity with just one single neural network? Uh, that is, in, in fact, the neural networks that we are used to. You know, these objects, even with a massive number of neurons, but still specialized in solving one simple task. A composable model would also be a method of learning that would allow a mammal, a human being, or an algorithm to learn the complexity of the world by using, for example, multiple ontologies. Uh, today, we are pretty much focused on the uh, presence of the single ontology that is essentially a catalog that allows you know researchers to organize information but in fact this you know there is no such single ontology because the way things are connected uh, in a particular scenario or in a particular world um, might be different from the same entity or the way that same entity is connected, let's say, in another world or in another field. When I say world, of course, I don't mean this planet, you know, planet Earth. I mean different worlds, different scenarios, this different fields in which, for example, analogies and metaphors are the rule rather than the exception. And so think about when I say something like uh, this task is hard as a rock, you know, an artificial intelligence would start making, you know, identifying entities like a task, which is a, I don't know, a set of instructions or whatever, we want, however we want to define it, with the, the stone, with a hard rock, right? An artificial intelligence would try to grasp this kind of concepts by similarity. While an, a, a general artificial intelligence would start, for example, transitioning from one world to the other, and uh, this transfer of knowledge or transfer of concepts should uh, indeed uh, have a meaning in a different world. And therefore, the way the task is connected to the rock in the first ontology would be different than in the second ontology. Uh, that is the, you know, the metaphor, the analogy, um, uh, and the non-tangible uh, association of uh, of you know the rock as a hard thing to do a, a difficult thing to be done 
I'm Jeff Wheelwright, tech journalist and host of the ARM Viewpoints podcast. Along with ARM, the company whose technology sparked the mobile revolution, we're bringing you the latest from the heart of the tech world. I've had fascinating conversations with industry experts about topics ranging from AI and data security to the promise of 5G and the future of healthcare. And we're just getting started. Join us as we explore the evolving world of computing. Download and subscribe to ARM Viewpoints at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. So another observation is indeed the fact that there cannot be a single ontology to match all the possible combinations of things that indeed can be part of every possible situation or future situation. That is things that an intelligent agent has never seen before. And, uh, and this is why considering one single ontology is not the answer and it, it's definitely not a method that we want to consider to perform that transition from narrow artificial intelligence to so-called AGI or uh, artificial general intelligence. And also that's the reason why the family of GPT models, for example, GPT-2, 3, probably 4, the next ones that will have billions of parameters, are still not the way to move towards artificial general intelligence. Because no matter how big your model is, it is impossible to cover all possible combinations of all the possible things that the AI must know and should use from this large set of programs, from this massive list of, uh, of concepts that that particular AI uh, has stored somewhere. So as a matter of fact, uh, we mm, can think about models in artificial intelligence as neural network models, and we all know what's that about, and so-called representation-based models, right? Um, that is a model that may represent, let's say, the features of the entities that we are considering with, for example, probability distributions over feature values. And so in order to handle, for example, very large domains like uh, language modeling, a neural network will need to process the different pieces that you know compose that particular paragraph, document, or text in general, it has to process these pieces and recognize what they point to in an ontology that makes sense in that particular domain. And so an artificial intelligence that indeed wants to, let's say, answer in the most natural way to a human being before producing each word in a sequence, it first needs to decide what to say, then decide how to say, and then, of course, it can produce, let's say, the tokens or the words of that particular response. So, as you can see, in this way of operating from, for an artificial intelligence, there are some kind of modular decisions. There are, you know, things that are compartmentalized, and there are modules that need to be executed by the artificial intelligence. What happens now is that the neural networks that we are used to usually operate on uh, low-level inputs, while they should be operating on representations or higher-level inputs that uh, already have some kind of meaning. Um, and that's exactly, in fact, what happens when we are kids, for example. Usually, our parents are injecting in our brain some kind of digested knowledge, digested information that we don't have to experience from scratch. Uh, and so, of course, this is a theory, um, but it's pretty much what it is. You know, the reason why Gary Marcus kept saying that 
his kid was not used as many as all other kids in the world, of course, they don't need to see a dog and a cat a million times to understand that's a dog and that's a cat. And why is that? It's because parents are parents or whoever are injecting in their brain a kind of knowledge or a kind of internal representation that doesn't need to be experienced from scratch all the time. And so that's exactly what current artificial intelligence is doing. So I, uh, you know, I would even take a distance from calling it AI because, you know, I don't want to kill the enthusiasm of, of artificial intelligence practitioners, but these are just massive models that approximate functions and not necessarily intelligent. So as a matter of fact, the state of AI today is that uh, these are models more or less large in terms of numbers of parameters that learn how to solve a problem from scratch. And there is very little that this problem can reutilize for other tasks, for example. So all the time, these neural networks have to learn things as nothing happened before, which means that, uh, first of all, they are very much specialized in uh, solving that particular problem, so a very narrow domain. And second, they don't learn. They don't keep learning, you know, like human beings or mammals do. By using this approach you know, and learning things from scratch all the time, of course, they need more time to learn and also more data, uh, the reason for which artificial intelligence and in particular deep learning are very well known to require impressive amounts of data that only the big players can indeed utilize and have at their disposal. There is a new way that uh, has been proposed, of course, by um, several researchers out there, in particular, Gary Marcus, and also the research group at Numenta that have been guests on this show as well. And very recently, also Google is thinking on the same line um, with something that goes under the name of Pathways. It's a new method or new approach, you know, to train AI models to do millions of things at the same time and so to learn multiple tasks at the same time and so i'm uh, really glad that finally google has realized that together with others that's the way probably uh, mammals learn uh, you know we don't learn one task at a time and of course we don't learn uh, one task independently from the other things that are part of our life, but our brain learns pretty much everything at the same time or in parallel or cert learning certain tasks will influence the learning of another task that, you know, might be unrelated, but uh, in uh, our life experience, in fact, will be extremely useful. And so the idea of, um, uh, you know, researchers focusing on um, this new wave of AI uh, is to take advantage of learning from multiple tasks. And that's exactly what Pathways want to do. Of course, uh, there are no technical details that have been provided. Um, it's just an announcement and then a name, probably an internal name used by uh, Google to identify this new way of learning and training AI. Um, so of course, as soon as new additional information will be available, and uh, the first research papers will come out um, with uh, you know, a technical description of what this is about. I'll be very happy to share on this channel. But for the time being, the only thing I can say is that uh, I have the feeling that this is the way AI should move towards. We should stop thinking about 
artificial intelligence or well deep learning as um, an artificial intelligence tool uh, just due to the fact that um, you know these neural networks can do things that we are we humans are familiar with like identifying a dog or a cat or any other object in a picture or in a video without understanding what that item or what that object is of course it does make sense. It's just a recognition problem. And um, as I said at the beginning of this show, true learning is rather a process of generation rather than recognition. Now, I hope there is a interesting discussion on our official channel at Discord. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode and on the official website of this show at datascienceathome.com. I'll see you there. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.